Welcome to the Dented Puck Podcast. Each week, we'll be talking about the NHL, being visually impaired, and our favorite combination of the two, blind hockey. We'll be talking shop about everything from the equipment we wear to how we've adapted our play style to fit our site. We'll also be talking to members of the blind hockey community and getting to know their stories and what has led them to the sport. We're really glad to have you with us, and we hope you enjoy the show. This is our small slice of hockey, and we'd like to think that it shows that hockey truly is for everyone. All right, and welcome back. This is episode 12 of The Dented Puck. As always, my name is Drew, and I'm here with Tony and Josh. Boys, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thinking about cans of beefaroni and that the Blackhawks are having <laughs> a lot more success than they uh, they originally thought they would, and uh, getting over a nice breakup, you know? Sometimes it's just it's just that way, but, you know, uh, beefaroni uh, for the win. So we're all good here. How about you, Josh? I'm all right. I'm a little disturbed by the authority right now, but uh, <laughs> you, you guys can have your thing. How's it going, Drew? It's going good. Uh, it, it, it went a lot differently than I thought it was going to go, but, you know, it's part of the spice of life, right? <laughs> so, so today... Today joining us uh, from the Hartford Brailers and, Tony, you'll be familiar... Uh, the u.s national team we have keith hollywood haley keith how's it going doing well fellas thanks for having me on thanks for being here should we just refer to you as hollywood from now on oh no please don't (laughs) (laughs) but uh no keith would do just fine keith would do just fine but uh before you do get started i just want to let you know that what, what you're doing is great um, the name of your podcast is fantastic, and you know all your guests so far have been phenomenal. I, big shoes to fill with some of the guests you've had on. Um, great stories, and they're just enjoyable to listen to, I think, not only for myself, but uh, the blind hockey community in, in general. So thanks for what you guys are doing. Yeah, thanks. That's, um, we're, we're all glad to get you know good feedback, and we're glad everyone's enjoying it. It's been really good to... Uh, be able to get these stories out in a place that people can find them whenever and wherever. So, um, Tony Blackhawks, I, do you think we're going to make the playoffs? Yes. Yes. I think we broke Columbus's spirit. Um, <laughs> okay. But then we turned around and got spanked by Detroit. It was one game. You're not going to win every, you're not going to win. What are they doing? 56 games this year. Yeah, but so. Detroit. Yeah, but then we turned around and we clapped them the next day. And That's we had true. Malcolm Subban in that, who is, uh, <laughs> as a Bruins fan, Bruin. you know all about Malcolm Subban. <laughs> I sure do. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, Malcolm Subban, he, he's played well this year, but, I mean, uh, it was just a whole laundry list of things. I think the main reason why we lost to Detroit was I think the team was so focused on trying to get Patrick Kane his 400th career goal that that they just weren't playing hockey. They were passing up opportunities to shoot the puck. They were, you know, they were only trying to give the puck to Kane. And it's just like, yes, Kane can do anything out on the ice for the most part, but it's just like there still needs to be uh, other plays. And then... <laughs> Malcolm Suman, I mean, he just played awful. He really did. Yeah. 
So do you think that, I mean, beyond having a player that's about to reach a milestone, like I, I can, I can understand to a certain point, you know, to it, trying to get it to Kane or whoever trying to get it to Kane, because they also want to be a part of that. Right. But I, I also feel like that's kind of a, a, something that a lot of teams just naturally fall into. Like they're just looking for that perfect shot or the perfect angle or the perfect pass. And sometimes you just got to do like the dirty play and get it in front of the net. I mean, what was it the other day on, uh, was it the Ottawa game? All, all the guy did was take a slap shot from beyond the blue line and, and made the goalie think about it. They recognized that the goalie was coming out to play every single puck behind the net. So they challenged him and shot one on net and they blew it over his glove. Like sometimes you just need to, to make the, the the simple play and last year on the power play it was so frustrating to watch because it's just like you're trying to set up this perfect play every single time and it just doesn't work and this year it's been different whether it's been Shaw in front of the net or Carl Sodenberg or Carpenter uh, uh what was that on Sunday that you know you just go to the right areas and you just get shots through and you make the plays will come uh, naturally, it, if a team will respect you enough to realize that you're not just going to look for the perfect play, you're going to throw it at the net regardless. If it's there, it's there. Yeah. That was a really long way to say yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's it's good to be excited, especially for Chicago. I mean, I feel like last year we had a really down year. This year we're, we're – I, I'm afraid that we're outperforming. Because, uh, because we're going to, you know, if we get into the playoffs, then we're going to run the risk of running into a team like Boston. So, Keith, I know you're a, a Bruins fan, unfortunately. Lamau. Like everyone else that we have on this show. Now. <laughs> At least you got some I, class acts on your program. <laughs> uh, you know, we thought so. And then we found out who you guys root for and it changes things. <laughs> So Boston is, I mean, Boston's the top, I would say top quarter. I think I said it last time, top quarter of the league every year. You know, they're they're not necessarily going to win the Stanley Cup every season, but it's like when they get into playoff mode, they're they're unreal. Guys like Marchand and Bergeron, they've just been there. Do you, do you see that same kind of drive in this year's Bruins, or do you see something different? I do like from, from year to year, you know, yes, there's consistency, but then you have times where, um, you know, like last year they, they ran out to the president's trophy. Well, finally, you know, and then of course COVID hit, but then, then all of a sudden, you know, you have that break and then, you know, they didn't have their Tuka Rask in the, in the playoffs and they kind of, they dropped off. And, you know, so there's those years of, you know, okay, you can do great in the regular season and then you go to the playoffs and they might win around. But you know they're not they're not necessarily in it for the for the long haul, and it's discouraging as a Bruins fan for sure. To uh, you know, to but then some people ask, would you rather them go all in, like say this year, you know, at the trade deadline? Do you want them to go all in for this year, or do you want to, or do you like the consistency of having them in the mix year after year? You know, um, it's it, it's great to have a competitive team every year, so you at least have a season. But man, it's discouraging when you you have high hopes for your team and they, they, they bought them out. Um, so it's it, it, it's tough, you know? I mean, I think they have what it takes, but there's other good teams out there. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I mean, you're you're talking to Blackhawks fans. We definitely know about teams bottoming out. Uh, <laughs> the '90s were brutal for us. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think that's a good point. You know, I I personally would rather see uh, consistency. I'd rather know that my team's going to be in the playoffs, just because it's playoff hockey. Like even if they're number one, Tampa Bay and playing the number eight, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that the outcome is set in stone. Um, so that I just want them to get in. Then, but right, it would be nice sometimes to see them go after the big <clears throat> I'm sure. Or maybe not let some people go like Bacchus. I mean, are you? how did you feel about Bacchus getting, was he released or bought out or just not new contract, not signed for him? They traded him. Was that back it? For the Bruins? Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I hate to say I think he was just old and didn't fit what what they what they had going on, so they moved on from him. Do you think that was the same for Chara? For who? Oh, for Chara? Yeah, I you know I mean I, again, I love I love Chara and you know the consistency he's brought to the team, um, but. How, how long do you keep a guy on your roster if you're moving in a different direction? Um, you know, you, you, you lose that, um, you know, he was the, I think the second longest captain in Bruins history. Um, so you, you lose that leadership, but, but you know, you got to kind of look at his age and what direction we're, we're, we're going in. And do you keep an on, keep him on just because he's been the captain that long and, and he's, you know, and his leadership skills, if you're not going to play him as much, you know, is that kind of a smack in the face to Char? Like, hey, you know, we're only going to play you. You know, you're not going to get your minutes, but you're the team captain. I don't know. I guess it's a weird position for the player. And I think they kind of just said, you know, we're going we're gonna to do something different and you still want to play. So we're going to trade you instead. Um, you know, I don't know that's the fact, but that's, that's what it seems like the direction they went. Yeah, they basically, um, they told him, like you were saying, you're not going to get nearly as much playing time. Um, you know, we would like you to still be on the team, but you know, you're basically you're not going to play, and, right? Yeah, you're not going to get as many minutes as you're used and, to. And so, I mean, Chara felt that you know he still had some um, some gas left in the tank, and Washington signed him. And I mean, he's been doing all right there. I mean, they're winning, right? But they also have Ovi, so it's kind of like a well. John Carlson and Jacob Brana. TJ Oshie, uh, Nicholas Backstrom. Oh, yeah. That that team's stacked. Um, uh, yes. I think that they struggle defensively. Well, that's why they needed Chara. That's why Chara's an upgrade for them. Yes. Regardless. So I feel like I feel like Boston is doing this thing where they're trying to get younger and faster, um, but they did make I want to say the safe call of making Bergeron the captain, and, and not nothing against Patrice Bergeron. I love that guy. Like I think he's a fantastic hockey player. Everything I've heard about him, he's a great human being. Um, Sorry about that because I went down to uh, watch the Bruins versus um, the Carolina Hurricanes in Carolina. A friend of mine works for. Um, Fox Sports Carolina. He's the executive producer, so he works in the trailer. And we we flew down, me and my cousins, and in a snowstorm. Well, 
I don't know if anyone's been to Carolina, but if they have more than, or any snow for that matter, let alone two inches, it shut the place down. So we still had tickets, and, and we went, into, and there was nobody there. Nobody there. So it was kind of a, yeah, uh, a different experience, like to be in a, in a big arena like that with, like, it was even less than half full, like even maybe even a quarter way. So still 1,600 is a lot less than that. You know, there was still a lot more than 1,600, but it was still different to see. Yeah, I bet. I bet. I when I was uh, when I was a sophomore or junior, we had a snowstorm at Maryland, and they 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 passed the point that they could cancel the game. So they basically opened it up to everybody. It was like five hundred people in that, five hundred drunk kids inside that inside that massive stadium. It was wild. It's crazy because you expect like the echo, the echo that's meant to be in there just isn't there. So you just hear stuff echoing all over the place. No, I didn't think about that. Well, th- this, this for instance, kind of turned into a Bruins home game because the Carolina people stayed home. The people that were coming from Boston, because it's not a very long plane ride. So, for, you know, there was a ton of, ton of Bruins fans like us that, that were going down anyway. So we showed up. Like, we've got tickets and we're going to the game. You know, we're not staying you know, in our hotel room with two inches of snow, whereas the Carolina people stayed home. So it, it was definitely maybe uh, 60, 40 Bruins fans for the amount of people that attended, which worked out well for us. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, so the la- last NHL thing I want to talk about, who do you guys think will end up with the Rocket Trophy at the end of the season? Right now, Austin Matthews has 18 goals. He's injured and hasn't scored in the two games before he left with injury. It, it, so at this point, I feel like everyone could catch up. Do you think guys like Pasternak? No. Who, so I guess that's so. Yeah, you're talking to a Bruins fan. I'm going Pasta. Yeah. I mean, well, he start when he starts when he gets hot and he starts scoring. He scores in bunches. Like, didn't he get two hat tricks this season already? At least one, because one was last week, and I think uh, we had a Zoom call with Team USA, and I think Anthony over there was uh, might have been dogging Pasternak. In the meantime, he was scoring a hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> just just thought right. I'd throw that in there, Tony. That sounds that sounds about right. <laughs> you know, I think something's going to happen, and, and all of a sudden it doesn't. Uh, I mean, Tony, who do you think is going to end up with most goals at the end of the season? Well, I ha- let me uh, look at the real quick and like top five scorers right now. Uh, I, I Matthew, got the, I got the list. Yeah, oh, go ahead. can you read it to me, Josh? Yeah, so it's Matthews, McDavid. Brock what Bozer. do they have right now? Can you tell me what uh, they have? Matthews is 18. McDavid is 14. Brock Boser and Tyler Tuffle have 12. Eddie Kane has 11. Then there's a, then there's a, a whole ton of 11 with 11. Okay. Including including Dreisaitl, Marner. Uh, Debrinkit has 11. Eddie Kane, <laughs> yeah. It'll, I mean... It depends on how long Matthews is 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 out. I mean, I'm going to assume it's going to be somebody for the Canadian North Division or whatever because, I mean, not to be rude, but those 
teams are trash. Like Calgary is trash. Um, uh, Ottawa is not a good hockey team. Like <laughs> they are. They just they're simply they're just not. They have talent, but they don't. They do not. Can, they are not a consistent talent, especially defensively. They have like three defensemen that are NHL quality players. Um, it's just my opinion, of course. I mean, all those people are uh, hundreds times multifold better than I could ever conceive the, the thought of being. And like, there's a reason that they're there. They're just not, just not ready, in my opinion. And so, I mean, you, I personally, I think it's probably going to be somebody out of the, the Canadian division. So it could be uh, Matthews if he isn't severely injured. It, it very well may could be Dreisaitl or, or McDavid. But, I mean, those teams are trash. I, the Oilers, they're trash. Like, aside from, like, Darnell Nurse, uh, the, the Oilers' best defenseman's out. Um. It, they're they're just not <laughs> they're just not good teams in my opinion. Montreal's a good team, but their goalie sucks. Gary Price sucks. Oh, he does. He's too old. He's not flexible anymore. He's he needs to retire, dude. Gary Price sucks. He ruins my fantasy hockey every single week. Every single week does he disappoint me? But I traded him, so I uh, I got John Carlson for him. So, shout out to Dan Tram. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, Josh, heart trophy, uh, not heart trophy, uh, Rocket Richard trophy. Who's getting it? I mean, I got to go with McDavid. I mean, he's gonna have he's gonna have the games and the way the stat line on Austin Matthews. We've had that conversation. Is so deep beyond goals. That I just like he's such a complete player. I see that eighteen number slowing down a little bit. Um, but it, I mean, McDavid's the only one that's close to him at this point. So we'll see. In the short, if this was a regular season, it might be a different story. It all depends on how long he's out. Yep. Can I ask another question? That that like, so my second favorite team is Buffalo. What is going on with Taylor Hall and Jack Eichel? Jack Eichel has one goal. You know, so here's my theory on Taylor Hall, because I have one. Uh, Because he went from Edmonton to New Jersey, right? Edmonton to New Jersey. To to Arizona. To Arizona, to Buffalo. Buffalo. So look at... I look at those teams like New Jersey that season after they got rid of Hall, they, they did, they got in the playoffs and then, yeah, yeah. No, we got rid of Hall last year. Was it? No, uh, they were in the playoffs when they had Taylor Hall. That was his. Yeah. Season. We made, no, no, no. We got rid of Taylor Hall mid season last year. We got better after we got rid of Taylor that's Hall. That's right. He, well, that's okay. We, were, so that was... we, were, we weren't watchable with Taylor Hall. We actually were watchable like in 2020 last year. We were watchable. So that but with Taylor that, Hall, that, like, go ahead. That, that was my point. Like, is when Taylor Hall left the Devils, the team got better. 
then he went to Arizona. There are big expectations at him and Phil Kessel and, you know, Clayton Keller and all these guys that do great. And they're in the playoffs, but they didn't perform in the playoffs. And then Taylor Hall gets traded to Buffalo and Arizona's doing better. I mean, they're in a, a division with Vegas and Colorado and St. Louis. So I feel like Taylor Hall is a really good player but I feel like he might not be the best locker room presence for, for team cohesion. And I think that's, what's interesting though, about, about all professional sports. Like there you, I'm sure people can name athletes from baseball, basketball, football, that, that just are not team players, but they're so highly skilled that the teams will put up with them. So like, at yeah, what, I ha- hmm? go no, go on, no, go on. Oh, I was gonna say I had one, but it became a bitter big joke after you said highly skilled. Because so I was gonna go with Jay Cutler. But, but Jay really, Cutler really is, is but he is highly skilled. The guy has a cannon. He just isn't good under pressure, which is the whole job of a quarterback. Or but he's really good at riding a bike. Yes. <laughs> that uh, was that but that but that's it right there. The quarterback that, that actually physically can ride a bike during the NFC Championship game and isn't playing quarterback. That's it. That's the same type of thing. And that's what they that, that's what was coming out more and more about Taylor Hall towards the middle and end of last season. Was that it was him that was ruining a lot of this. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting when I as cheesy as it sounds, I love the miracle. The miracle, golly, guys, I cannot talk tonight. <laughs> as as cheesy as it sounds, I love the movie Miracle, and I love the scene after he's made them skate. You know the thousand suicides, and it's you know it's basically just getting across the point that the the name on the front is more important than the name on the back. Like I I dig that thought. I dig that scene. I love that movie. I, I just find it interesting when the people kind of forget that and think that, you know, they're the most important thing out there because it ruins teams. Like, like you said, Jack Eichel has one goal. I'm not saying that's Taylor Hall's fault, but I mean, if he's making the locker room a crappy place and people aren't going to be focused on their job, you know, it, <clears throat> It's uh, the <laughs> the reason I personally don't like Taylor Hall is because when he was playing in Edmonton, he would pers- or he would purposely get off the ice if he knew he was going to get a minus, so he would stop back checking on oh wow breakaways and like fast breaks. He would excuse me, he would jump off the ice as quick as he could. Wow. That's disgusting. Like, why do your stats matter? It's the team right. stats that matter. Like you were just saying with talking about, like, Miracle. You know, there was this group of college kids who were all concerned on where they came from. Oh, Minnesota. Oh, I came from blah, blah, blah. I came from Boston. I came from Chicago. But, you know, who who do you play for? I mean, Keith. 
How many times USA the weekend we <laughs> play for USA? We don't play for the Brailers, right? We don't play for the Chicago Blind Blackhawks. We play for the Brailers, or we play for Team USA. <laughs> <laughs> we all play for the Brailers now. <laughs> you're, you're using your mind control, man. Uh, we we play for USA. <laughs> You know, do we are we also members and, and players for Chicago Blind Blackhawks or the Har- the Hartford Brailers or Washington Blind Hockey Club? Yes, but while we are there, we are representing. Well, and when we are away, quite frankly, we are representing. You know, this country, and it's a it's a privilege. And sure all is. these kids were were so concerned about. You know, oh well, you, you know, he came from Minnesota. It's just like, no, he came to represent your country with you. And Taylor, I, I, I can't stand Taylor Hall. Well, Keith, as you can tell, when, when we start talking about hockey, we just kind of go. Uh, so we did have to force ourselves to do a segment that, uh, well, I guess not force ourselves. We chose that it was better for us to do a segment that we like to call Three Periods With. So, obviously, this is Three Periods With Keith, Hollywood, Haley. Uh, Are you ready for some questions? Sure. All right. So, we we know that you play for the U.S. national team. Um, Where did you get started in hockey? Have you always played? Is it something that you've picked up relatively recently? No, I've, I've always played the game. Um, I started out when I lived in Fitchburg, Massachusetts. I, I played um, the, the, the sport there was street hockey, which is now called deck hockey. But back then there was no deck. It was just, uh, you know, a, a tarred um, hockey rink. You know, so you ran on your feet. And, uh, and that was the sport that, that, that I grew up playing while I lived there. And then when I moved to Connecticut, when I was, uh, when I was 10, they didn't have hockey here. They didn't have street hockey. Um, this was a soccer town. It was, it was, you know, more, if you were whatever age you were as a young kid, you went to the soccer field on Saturday mornings. There was no street hockey rinks or this and that. And I think the closest one was probably about 45 minutes away at the time. And that wasn't something that my parents were going to bring me to and from. So, uh, I stopped playing for a little bit and, uh, the only way to continue playing hockey was to was to move to the ice um but there was a few situations where i was intimidated uh because i i I had never skated again street hockey you know you just use your feet you don't have to skate never learned how to skate um and there was a time my sister was a figure skater and my father and her were doing some sort of like a not a a father daughter dance but a father daughter um figure skating show that they were putting on locally and um, so they would go and practice because my dad hadn't skated in years. And they asked me if I wanted to, you know, grab a pair of skates while they were out there and skate around. And, and I saw, you know, I don't know, nine or ten at the time. I saw these six-year-olds flying by me. And I said, nope. I was just intimidated. I said, I'm not going out there with those little kids. And, I, you know, I'm going to look foolish. You know, I'm going to hold on to the boards. So that intimidation kept me on the sidelines. Um. So what I did do, though, um, I think, Josh, I think you played roller hockey. Um, I, roller blades weren't a thing, dating myself. But when I played roller hockey, it was actually on roller skates, you know, four, four wheels, you know, and I'd play roller skate hockey in my, my grandmother's uh, driveway with my friends and this and that. So 
I actually had the skills of hockey, you know, skating because of the roller skates, but I never, again, just intimidated. And, and, and eventually um, when I moved to Connecticut, we lived across the street from a lake. <clears throat> Still, you know, the older, now I was intimidated by the older kids. They were out on the, on the, on the pond and they were skating around and I didn't want to skate with them because I didn't know what I was doing. So there was a puddle in the front of my, my uh, front lawn. And I went out there with my sister and she taught me how to stand up on my skates and, you know, at least move forward and backwards a little bit. And then when I felt probably at least standing on skates, I graduated across the street to the bigger puddle. In the bigger puddle, I was able to at least have a, make a few strides, this and that. And then I graduated to the actual pond or the lake. And, um, and I did that. And what was good about that is once I gained that confidence, um, the kids in my area were, were all older than me. They were all, already out there playing. And so I'd start playing against the team, you know, the, the high schoolers. And I was only 12 years old when I started skating, 12, 13. And uh, yeah, it, it gave me some great experience, but I had never played organized hockey. And here I am entering high school and hockey was my sport. So it's like, okay, well, I got to try out for the high school team, you know, and we didn't have a, 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 a freshman team, JV, it was varsity. So again, intimidation, but um no, so I went for it, and I made the team as a freshman and, uh, you know, started my sophomore year. Um, and I think all that hockey experience I did have, whether it be street hockey, deck hockey, or even the roller skate hockey, uh, roller hockey, um, helped me, you know, transition into the skates and onto the ice. And, um, and that's, you know, and of course, I was watching the Bruins since I was five years old, five years old, too. So that's where my love of hockey came from. And then from there, you know, um, I played a couple men's leagues, but I, I was diagnosed with glaucoma when I was 21. And that's, that's, that's when it started to take its toll vision wise. And I'd be on the ice and, you know, I, I was playing, but I, I couldn't see the puck, you know, someone would pass it to me. I'd miss it. And I thought it was something like, geez, I just haven't played in a while. I'm, I'm a little rusty. And then I realized <laughs> I actually just can't see the puck. You know, so I, I hung off the skates, you know, I knew it was my glaucoma. Um, and, and I thought that was that, you know, never, I thought I was never to play again. And, um, and it was blind hockey. You know, once I heard about that, 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 that got me back on the ice. So, um, yeah, it's just, a, it's been the sport I've loved since I was five years old. And, and, you know, at one point I thought it was never coming back and blind hockey appears and, and here we are, we're, you know, we're on a podcast talking about it. So that's awesome. So can tell can you tell us a little bit about like what what can you describe what you see or don't see, I guess? Yeah, well it's funny cuz I, I had that discussion with somebody recently. I'm like somebody asked, them, "What do you see?" and they they started explaining what they don't see. I said, "No, no, they didn't ask you that. They asked you what you see, not what you don't see." But uh I can give you both because um, it's hereditary glaucoma. So glaucoma has been in my, my, my family, you know, for, for years, my, it comes from my dad's side of the family, um, out of six kids, uh, four out of the six kids have glaucoma. Um, my, my dad's siblings, I think he had, they had, my grandfather had was one of six and I think three, at least three or four had glaucoma. So it's been in my family for years and it usually shows up in your early twenties, which it did for me. And, um, uh, so it so glaucoma is high eye pressure in your eye and the easiest way to describe that is that you know everyone has pre, uh, fluid that goes around in their eye and it drains and if you if you have glaucoma the fluid goes around your eye and it doesn't drain it just keeps going round and round it builds up pre, 
pressure on your optic nerve, which essentially takes um, your, your peripheral vision first, which different than macular or some other people have like the central vision loss. So they might recognize a vision loss sooner than I might because it's, it's getting taken from the outside in gradually. So I can still see, you know, I could still see straight ahead. I was driving, you know, all these things. But then, you know, you're bumping into things. Like I said, I'm trying to accept a pass on the ice and it's going right by me. Like, well, with, you know, it was, I, I saw it a second ago. Now it's in my blind spot, just like that. And um, so I can see straight ahead and my, my, my central vision isn't that great, but it's enough to, well, I can live with it. You know, I, I do walk with a cane um for the curves and and you know nighttime vision i don't i don't have much um but i don't see left right and and i have almost zero vision in my left eye so so 80% of my vision comes out of my right eye um so i don't see up or down you know like yeah i don't know if we'll go back to shaking hands any anytime soon but you know if i'm if i'm looking at somebody and they go to stick their hand out to shake my hand i don't see it you know i don't see anything down in front of me um like i said left or right so I like to say I'm like a horse with blinders on, you know, I can see straight ahead, but nothing left, right, top or down. And it, it makes it difficult to play hockey because, you know, that puck's coming at you. Like I said, it's like you see it coming and it dips into your blind spot. And all of a sudden it's in my feet, you know, and then you're trying to clank around that puck to try and find it where, you know, and then somebody steals it from you. So it's, it's, it's frustrating. But uh, that's, that's pretty much the, the, how I describe glaucoma is the, is the horse with blinders on. Gotcha. That's, that, that's, thank you. That's, uh, that's a good description of it. Um, so I, I, I had, uh, diabetic retinopathy. So, um, here or there, I, I ended up having surgeries. They didn't succeed. Uh, and then I lost my left eye. And so I have, I, I call it tunnel vision because I don't have any peripheral. Um, yes. And I, but I see really well, straight ahead of me um so it sounds like it's similar to to kind of maybe how you see things um i also like the nighttime i i i hate going out at night especially if it's like rained or something because it, it's so hard for me to see the difference in you know the curb and the ground right or, you know wherever you are so i guess i bring that up because i on the last show or at some point I had talked to these guys. Um, one of the other people in our Blackhawks organization had recommended that I get a cane. Um, it, not necessarily that I needed it to walk, but that it was more of a visual right. key for others. Um, it's do, an identifier. You, I'm a big advocate of the yeah. cane. Okay. So that's, I guess that's my that, glad to hear because i'm i'm josh and i i think both feel that we see enough that we don't need the cane um because i and you know some it, it I, I guess i don't necessarily realize what i don't see until i don't see it um so right it, there's there's a part of me that feels what, kind of like not, a not to cut you not to cut you off but you don't know you know you, you the, the cane doesn't always just work for you it works for others around you you know it's an identifier so and that's what i've always said like if you don't have good vision uh you know it 
if if I'm in the grocery store, if I'm walking into a grocery store with crutches on, what do people do? They bend over backwards to open the door for you. They see you coming in with crutches, right? Well, I bump into somebody in one of the aisles. They look at me like, what's your problem? I'm like, but now if I have that cane with me, I'll bump into somebody or they'll bump into me and they'll turn around with that look, but then they'll see my cane and go, oh, wow, sorry about that. You know, they're more apologetic than to who's, you know, who's this guy just not paying attention to what he's doing. So it it took me a while to actually be comfortable with the cane. Um, as my friends and family know it, I call it my blind stick. I'm like, you know, where's my blind stick? You know, because it's now it's it's a part of my uniform. I'm I have it all the time um, because I never know when I'm going to be put in a situation where I'm going to need it. And I don't always have it out. The beauty of them is some come with a holster, like a belt holster. Um, so you can put it right, you know, put your jacket over it. Nobody needs to know. So if you're in a position where you don't want people to know you're blind and some people don't don't want people to know and that's fine. You don't have to you don't have to use it. But then all of a sudden, you know, especially at a sporting event, that's when one of the first times I, I used it, I was at Fenway Park and I was with my cousin and she said, That stick's amazing. I said, What do you mean? Because I can't see it ahead of me, you know, and she's like, Cause people are getting out of your way. <laughs> so, that's kind of the point of the, of the of the cane is you know so people know but she was like the parting of the seas actually um and it made it a lot easier for me to travel because i didn't have to like keep bumping into the person in front of you and this and that and and it just it's you know i understand people's hesitancy because you know they don't want to draw attention to themselves and and, and that's understandable but it's also it, they fold up so if you don't want to be identified you don't have to and even now, I don't have the holster, but I'll just stick it in, in my pants and put the, the, the coat over me, and I'll just keep walking. And when it's time to pull it out, if if the foot traffic becomes too much, then I pull it out, you know? Um, so you can use it at your discretion, but I'm a big advocate for it. Um, I just think people should, should you know, you, you're going to change your life by using one. My thoughts, anyway. All right. I mean, sold. My my wife has been getting on me to uh, to order one, so. I will tell her that I will tell her it's a go um, and practice with it. You know, you, you don't have, again, you don't have to use it every single place you go, but you know, when, when you're in uncomfortable situations or if you're in the grocery store or wherever, um, it's just helpful. It, it's really helpful. And it actually gets you out of um, uh, not necessarily jams, but you know, it, it, something I might've been in a, in a more uncomfortable situation because I had the cane. It, it made it a lot easier. So um, it, it's an identifier. The, actually, one of the first, I might have had my cane with me, again, Fenway Park, and I saw another person with a cane. They weren't even using it. Like, you don't have to use it in front of you like, you, you know, like you're totally blind. The person was just holding it, and they used it as an identifier. They might have been holding on to the person they were next to, but they weren't using it like, you know, again, fraud. Listen, you're going to come in contact with people that aren't educated on the cane. They're not going to know what it's used for. And they're going to give you a hard time. I, I work in the city of Hartford. I have to travel down Main Street. And I've gotten lots of comments, you know, fake blind guy coming through. You know, people actually say those things. Be above it. Be above it. Move on. They're not worth your time. You know, just, you know, I don't make eye contact with them. I just keep walking. I'm, I'm, I'm out doing my thing. If they feel a need to make a comment, good for them. You know, but I would just... Don't take it to heart. You know, they're, they're not 
is educated in the in the, in the blind stick, or I'm sorry, the cane that 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 you are, you know what it's for, and and use it at your you know when you're comfortable to use it. You, so that's my two cents. I'll always say yes, get one. So just just to jump in real quick, for if there's any listeners that you know uh, aren't familiar with like the different levels of a cane, the thicker the cane, the more visually impaired somebody is, and there is something that what, what you're talking about, Keith and, and Drew, what you're looking to get it is an identification cane. And it's really useful in airports. It's really useful uh, like in trains and in the grocery store and stuff like that. Because if you do need help, you know, you're more often to get it. And for all the people, you know, that are going to be jerks and call you fake blind or whatever, the, those people are uh, mental midgets, as Paul Bissonette would say. <laughs> I, not and I think you brought that up. Yeah, well, I think, and I think that's anybody, you know, with disabilities comes in across that. Um, but that's a, that's a story for another time. Right. Uh, <laughs> So, Keith, thanks so much. Uh, I'm actually going to pass this over to Josh, and we're going to get a little bit deeper into your experiences in blind hockey and all that fun stuff. But uh, thanks for answering my questions. Absolutely. All right. All right. So, Keith, I, I always find it interesting at people's stories of, well, their their vision loss and then discovering how there's blind hockey and then, the, then basically finding out there's a national team and that, that – level through going through that. So I'd love to hear the story about how you found out that there is that blind hockey actually existed. So I, I found out through an email I got through, uh, in Connecticut, our, um, blind services, they're called board of education. And actually it's called Bureau of education and services for the blind. Now they have changed their name since I joined their ranks. Um, and, and for short, they call it Besby. Similar to up in Utica, the, 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 the Central Association of Visually Impaired, their cab V. Um, so Besby in Connecticut, I was on, I, I serve as a VEP operator, business enterprise program. So I run a cafeteria in a state building, um, which the BEP program is for people who are legally blind. So I'm on their list serve. So I received an email um, back while you're going on a fourth year, at least five years ago from come to find out our as we like to say founder and first team captain joel klug from the brailers um he had moved from michigan and he was a had been a hockey player and he also had had uh you know some vision loss due to rp and he i kind of forget how he actually heard of it but he contacted besby Board of Ed and Services for the Blind and sent an email to the executive director and it found its way to me. Um, so, you know, I, I reached out to Joel, asked him about it, kind of like, what, what are you talking about? Blind hockey. That's usually what people say even to this day when I tell them about blind hockey is what are you talking about? You know, blind people are playing hockey. Um, so I, I don't know if he told me about the nightshades first. Um, but there was some sort of I, – first I said I was interested, and then I got a follow-up email, and he told me about a team, being the New York Nightshades, that were playing out of Newburgh, New York. Newburgh is about a two, two-and-a-half-hour ride from me. Um, 
but I said, well, geez, I'll, I'm going to go, I'll go check it out. You know, um, it takes some ride coordination, you know, getting two and a half hours away. But, um, between hearing of that and actually getting down there, I received another email from Joel and it was about a tri blind hockey event. And it was the next town over from me. I live in Farmington, Connecticut. This was in, the, in Simsbury. And I said, well, geez, I, I don't have an excuse not, not to get a town away, you know, 10 minute drive. So, um, I went, I went, I went to check it out and I didn't know what to expect. You know, I, here I am. I hadn't had skates or skate sharpened in a while. So I went with my dull skates, you know, what I had for hockey gear. I did go to play it against sports. We have around here. I don't know if it's national or not, but, um, picked up some used hockey gear just for this event. You know, I didn't go too extravagant. If this didn't, I didn't know how, you know, if this was going to take off or, or not. I had no idea. So I went to this event and, uh, <laughs> that, that was the beginning of, and, and here I am today. It was an amazing experience. I left with a lot of bumps and bruises uh, due to my dull skates. You know, I guess I didn't have time to get them sharpened before before I got there. But uh, yeah, and uh, since that night, or that that was the the, the night that uh, the Hartford Brailers was was coined um, as a team name, and we still keep. Uh, there was a a good dozen of us. Um, some dropped off. But we kept a good core four players from that, and we've we've grown since then. Um, but it was an amazing experience. Um, I did not know, you know, people ask me, is this an ongoing thing? I said, well, you know, I I I was in it just for to get myself back on the ice and do some extra, you know, get off the the couch per se, and and play the game of hockey again. So I was just in it for myself. Okay. Yeah. If we play this once a week, I'm not once a week. We couldn't do that at the time. Once a month. And then it took. And then next is, you know, they're just getting a national team together. And then, you know, there's, there's Chicago and there's invites to the, to try out for the national team. Are you kidding me? Like I, I just, you know, First of all, I didn't know blind hockey was a thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to these tournaments where the Bra Brailers are now practicing on a regular basis. Um, we've got the same core players, and it just took off. I mean, it did nationwide, too. I'm sure a lot of people have the same story. Like, they never thought – well, I don't know if they never did, but I never thought I was going to get to where it is today and, and, and continuing to grow. So it's an exciting story for, for everybody nationwide. Um, but that's how I heard from it through an email and from there it grew and we went to tournaments and then, you know, I get an invite and, you know, Tony could, could tell you like one of the couple proud, proud moments are number one, when, you know, you, you get your name called, you know, at, invited to the first training camp. Um, funny story about that though. There was a lot of people with the, they did it by alphabetical order. So we're in Chicago, we're at the banquet you know, you're sitting there kind of on pins and needles. And I knew I was up against a lot of good competition. You know, I was an older person. So I said, hey, you know, it's probably, you know, not going to come my way. They did an alphabetical order. I think there were three people with the last name beginning with G. So I'm thinking the first person, okay, they say the last name. I don't know which one comes first, but there was, there was uh, uh, Doug Goist. Okay, well, if the next, if the next name isn't, Come, come out of his mouth isn't Keith, then I didn't make the team. And then they were like, okay, the next uh, player is uh, 
Kaylee Griffith. Ooh, okay, it's still in the G's, right? <laughs> still in there. I'm still in there. So I'm expecting to hear Keith next, if 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 at all. And then it went to uh, um, uh, Gusick was with John Gusick was the next name. I'm like, oh my gosh. So one of my Brailler teammates was like, they're still in the G's, Keith. They're still in the G's. So I did have it. You know, it, it took it took a while to get to Haley, but they did call my name. It was it was a proud moment. Um, and of course. You know, you, you get to camp and 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 then the first time you put the jersey on is just another surreal feeling that none of us that were on that blue line that day, as I keep telling the story, none of us will forget that. And uh, you know, others are going to feel that feeling too in 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 the near future as this the U.S. team continues to grow and some of the other programs. So uh, I'm I'm happy for for the upcoming years and and our younger players and, and the people that are going to take over my spot one day. I, I can't wait to see their faces too. They're going to love it. Awesome. Yeah. That, that That's an awesome story. And, and, and it's, and it's great that there was someone, there was a group that you were a part of that Joe was able to filter into. And I think that's somewhere we have to try to work on to get new players also. That's great. I'm going to send it over to Tony for our third period. Because uh, that story was great, and, and Drew basically went through most of the beginning of your hockey story too. So, uh, go ahead, Tony. It's all you, man. Sounds good. Hey, Keith. Uh, you know, Chaz. Man, before I even ask you any questions, just want to comment to comment on your beard, man. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, Facial facial hair is an important thing in hockey, I think. And uh, yeah, you've got a good one. <laughs> I know that's really random, but it, you know, it's just something that I've been thinking about. You know, because we got we got like Luke, you know, now, who is now I'm nervous. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> no, don't be nervous. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> Blake is just sprouting his first like fifteen facial furs. Luke, <laughs> Luke is is on his way. Uh, poor Tim Kane can't grow any facial hair, and you know, you, you here, you and I, we've got these luscious beards. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the age thing. I don't know. Of course, I'm a lot older than you are, but nah, not really. I don't even know how old you are. I thought you were 38, right? Yeah, almost. All right. <laughs> and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. So, That's not that old. No. Well, I'm lying also. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, uh, I guess... You know, this probably goes through a lot of people's minds. How did you get the illustrious name of Hollywood? How did I know that was going to come up? I had a feeling that was going to come up. Maybe in the first period, but luckily you saved the third period. Um, and, and, and it's kind of funny because, you know, some people think with the with the Hollywood nickname, you know, you're, 
or I don't know, I assume people would think like, oh, this guy's full of himself. He's all this and that. And he thinks <laughs> you're not and, at all. That's the best part about it is you're really quiet, actually. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you for saying that. I'm very quiet. Yes, my family would be happy to hear that. Um, no, because it, I, I, I'm not the, 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 the Hollywood type per se, but it came about because um, when – you know, we started with, with the Brailers. We wanted to get the word out because we wanted to get members. And Joel Plug had gotten, it's called Connecticut Hockey. It's it's an online um, organization. It's more towards youth hockey. But anyhow, they came to the arena one day and they did some interviews. And, you know, they whatever I had said, you know, I, there was a clip of me on there. So, you know, big deal. There was a big a clip of all of us. And then we got one of the local news channels to come down. And, you know, Joel was like, well, does, who wants to, you know, not necessarily take the lead, but I, I don't really feel like being on, I don't really like being on camera or something to that effect. I'm like, well, nobody's going to do it. Okay, fine, I'll do it, right? So they, they run the story, and they, they interviewed a, a couple of us. But, you know, when the, when the story aired, there's my face and this and that, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the, all over the, the newscast. And then that particular um, news crew came out and did a follow-up. I don't know how many months later it was, but once again, it airs on TV, and I'm all over it. I'm like, oh, my God, you know? So there was a, a, a third time we had a, a, a second um, a second news crew to come out, different channel. And um, now I'm trying to say, okay, let's interview some different people you know i'd got my 15 minutes of fame and um she was asking like who who would like to be interviewed and big jim sadecki is the one that coined the phrase like well hollywood haley always like lights and cameras but we'll get better throw him out there and i'm like i don't actually want to be out there but if no one else is going to do it i'm going to do it um and i did make sure i I said make sure you interview this person and that person And, and she did was I not all over that newscast too? But the reason I was on the newscast was because I was actually talking more about the puck and being a B1, B2, B3. So I was giving some insight on the game mm. that some of the other people weren't giving. So, so they would pick my stories, not based on, you know, being the prettiest person, because, you know, that, that was probably part of it. But <laughs> um, the fact that, you know, <laughs> that, that I, I was giving them a, a lot of insight on the game itself. You know, and that's important when, when you talk about line hockey because, again, people like hockey, what, what, what is that? So I would explain the game of it, and, and that's one of the reasons I was getting, you know, the, these interviews or being on TV. And, of course, the double H, you know, the, the, the Hollywood Haley. And then we go up to uh, Lake Placid, and me and Jim the, were, were in the locker room, and somebody came through to the local newspaper. They're doing a story, and we wake up the next day, and front page of the Adirondack Times, there's Keith Haley and Jim Sadecki on the front page. And then since then, all of a sudden, I get a phone call from my hometown newspaper in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, the, the Sentinel Enterprise, and it's their sports editor, and he calls. He wants a story, and I end up there was a story run in their, their Sunday sports page. I was on the front page of that, right under the Bruins beat somebody. Um, so it was just these, these, these things. And, and then one of the funniest was the, the first, when the Bruins played uh, St. Louis Blues, it was the, in, in the Stanley Cup finals. Um, 
me and my girlfriend, she lived in Maine. I lived in Connecticut. We're, we're both in, in Fitchburg, us to Boston. She was taking a, a, a bus north. I was taking a bus south. We were outside Boston Garden because we were going over to North Station to, to, to grab our bus. And it's first, you know, first day of the, the Stanley Cup Finals. So we had to go to Boston Garden and get a picture in front of the Bobby Orr statue. And, and uh, here come the news crew. They're like, hey, would you guys mind being, you know, interviewed? We're, we're about to do our 12 o'clock news. We'd like to, to, to have you on. Of course, I guess Hollywood Haley says, oh, sure, why not? And uh, I actually got an opportunity, as my dad's in the background saying, they play blind hockey, too. And the reporter's like, what? They do what? What's blind hockey? So sure enough, I, I was able to plug the Hartford Brailers and the U.S. blind hockey team um, in our Bruins jerseys, you know, right before the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm like, yeah, we also play for the blind hockey for the Hartford Brailers and the U.S. national blind hockey team. And that clip made it onto the news that, that afternoon and that evening. And um, I so remember that. Been, do you? Cause I, yeah, I probably posted it somewhere. It was, it, was, it was kind of a funny story. And uh, my girlfriend, Seats, goes like – didn't want any part of it. I said, oh, no, you're, you're coming on camera with me. You know, she, she's standing next to me. I think she said a few words at one point. But there's just these, these I don't know, the, the cameras, you know, there's just, you know, um, one of the, my most nervous ones, we were in Utah, the last um, training camp, and Doris asked me if I would go to the, the, the news crew in, um, in Utica for – I guess it was a 12 o'clock news, whatever. We're, we're being interviewed. And I actually do get nervous. People say, oh, you should do public speaking. I said, no, I actually really shouldn't. I get so nervous at the beginning of it, you know. So we're sitting there in, in if you want to call it the green room, and we're in there for an hour at least, maybe an hour and a half. And the whole time, I was able not to hear whether we were going on live or not. Because if, mm. if it's recorded, okay, you know, if it's, if it sounds no good or whatever, you know, you don't no, no, need to be nervous. They'll, they'll fix it. And uh, so we get, we get to two minutes to go. And Coach Klein has to ask the question, hey, is this going to be live? And the, the woman says, oh, absolutely. We're on the 12 o'clock news. We're going on right after the weather. I'm like, oh, my God. I almost wanted to. Coach Klein, are you kidding me? I made it an hour and a half, and there were two minutes before go time, and you had to ask that question. I'm sitting here, like, all, you know. Um, but so that that's how the, the, the name got coined. Um, but I, I hope that people don't think that, that I'm really that Hollywood type because when the group came down from Maine the first time, People were calling me Hollywood already, and I said, listen, I said, don't call me that in front of them. They said, why not? I said, because I want them to know me first. I'm like, well, what's that got to do with anything? I said, well, because let them get to know me, then you can call me Hollywood, and they can form their own opinion. But if you, you, know, if you meet somebody and they're, they're calling you Hollywood, I don't know, sometimes you think they might be fooling themselves, and I, I'm really not. And Chaz, you, you already kind of said it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm opposite of that. <laughs> Yeah, you're pretty. You're pretty quiet, man, and like, you're not full of them. You're not full of yourself, and you're a very humble guy. And you're always, you're always looking to do what's the next best thing. And you know, is it an interest? And I not uh, what's the word here? Like, a, like a wow factor nickname. You know what I mean? But. It's not a nickname. It is. <laughs> it's not a nickname that describes who you are as a person because you're not like that. You're a quality guy, 
Um, you're a fantastic teammate, and I, I look forward to seeing you at every event because you always have nice things to say and are always out there giving your 100%. And, you know, although it's a, a fun nickname, it's, it's it doesn't define you as who you are as a person. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate that because I I do, you know, when, when people call me that first off and they, you know, and they don't know me, I'm like, oh, my God, they're just going to think like, oh, who is this guy? You know, comes up with this sparkly Hollywood nickname. But uh, no, I truly, I, I'm not like that. I'm, I, I always yeah. try to advocate for the little guy, uh, team player all the way. Um, you know, that's just the way I, I think it should be. You know, absolutely. So. It's, it's not like you woke up one morning and you're like, ah, I'm going to start referring to myself as Hollywood. <laughs> you know, what, you know what I mean? Somebody gave you that nickname right. and, it, and, it, and it stuck. And it is, it is a good nickname. And, and you know, it, it, it's what, what are those uh, things called? A double entendre? No. I... Oh, because of the, the double H? Ah, no, wow. because 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 it's like a, a a name that sticks out with with like glitter and sparkles and shining bright lights, but, but you're not like <laughs> that. So it, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know about the glitter and sparkles. I uh, I like to watch you glow um, because you, you're a great guy. But yeah, well, I, I still like the story up in uh, Ottawa. No, I'm sorry, it was Toronto. Um, and I actually served a penalty for Dirk Mer- Morgan because, um, and, and, and by the time we touched the puck, it was like a minute and a half almost after the, the, the infraction happened. Um, and Nico Cardarelli, as we like to call the voice of blind hockey, um, they ended up giving me the penalty. Meanwhile, I'm like, I, but I didn't do anything. I wasn't even near anybody. It turned out, you know, cause we have video footage. It was Dirk Morgan, but anyhow, um, they're calling me to the penalty box and, and, and Nico says, you know, that the penalty's being ticketed to Keith Hollywood Haley and the, the guy he was uh, broadcasting with starts laughing. And he goes, what are you laughing at? He goes, well, first of all, Nico's like, I didn't give him that nickname. He came with that nickname, you know, yeah, and the guy's like, yeah. that's a great nickname. I'm like, um, I, I didn't think it was that great, but it's it, it stuck and there's nothing I could do about it now. I think you should own it, man, because it's a good, it, it is a good nickname. And, you know, some people, you know, it's not like they called you, uh, they called you like weasel. Yeah. Like the <laughs> weasel or, you know, like the... <laughs> yeah, I guess there could have been worse ones. Yeah. It's not like they were, it's not something to make fun of you. It's, it's, it's something that <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a high quality nickname. You know what I mean? For yeah, well, I, I play it up too. I mean, I do, you know, especially with my family and close friends. You know, they 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 give me a hard time about it, and and I give it right back. I'm, you know, and I, I play the I play the part. Put it that way. There you go, and that that's a good thing. So let's. I'm going to move on to the next question. So, uh, as being a member of, of Team USA, what is it? What has it done for you? Just. Uh, as a as a person, because I, I know for myself, it, it's really changed my thought process on a lot of things. You know how I, you know, interact online. How I, um, you know, it, not interact online, like how I portray myself. Because it, it's something that you know, 
if we say bad things online and whatnot, then we're making a fool out of not only ourselves, but of, of Team USA. And that, that's right. something that, you know, none of us wants to do. So aside from that, what has been uh, something positive that has came out of your life from being a member of this team? Too, too much to, to, to mention, and I, I won't get into, get into all of them, but to, to your point, um, yeah, you, you got to watch what you post on social media or, you know, it, it, it's a big job to be part of Team USA. It's not, you know, you have to maintain your fitness. You have to maintain um, a lot of things that you might not have to do on the, on the local level. Um, and you have to set an example. You have to set an example, and, you know, if, if there's some crazy pictures of you out there that your friends post on your social media page, well, you better be on top of it and take them down because, you know, you're right. as, as Tony, as you know, we're, we're being evaluated all the time on and off the ice for di- different things, and it's not to scare people away. It's just to say, like, listen, you know, you're, you're representing yourself, your team, and your country, and right. you got to be on top of your game, and – one of the proudest things, though, is when you go to these tournaments, um, I, I, I bring it back now to the youth. Because as I mentioned earlier in the, the segment, um, you know, when I started playing, I played for myself. And that was just to get me back on the ice. It was just to get me doing something that I had lost, you know. And these days, I play, you know, for the youth. You know, so they, they have the, this, the experience that we're having now. Like, I wish... Blind hockey had been around in the U.S. for 20 years because I'd be playing it for 20 years. I'd be a lot better right. at it than I am now. Or, of course, I wouldn't be on the national team because, you know, <laughs> there'd be a lot of other younger players maybe on, you know. But, you know, that's who I play for now. Um, I'm happy to, to, to serve in the capacity I do. Um, I'm not the best on the team. And, 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 and out of the other sports I've played, I've never been the best. But I give my best. I try my best. And I want to... You know, I'm doing this now so that, you know, I don't know if people saw it. The Paralympics this summer are going to be broadcast on NBC. So one I know. Day, Isn't that awesome? Blind hockey is going to be in the Paralympics. And you're going to be able to watch your son or daughter. You know, if you're, if you're a parent, that uh, a child that's visually impaired or legally blind, you're going to be able to watch them on TV in the Olympics. That's going to happen. Whether it's 2026, which is our goal or not. It's going to happen, um, and that's what I'm one of the most proud of, that, that I'm part of, you know, being a pioneer of it, um, you know, the, the, the first to invi- be invited to camp, the first to, you know, be part of the, the first team. Uh, I'm not going to be on the team forever. I'm, I'm one of the older members, and I understand that. My, my role right now is to, you know, do my part so that this sport is around for, for the youth of, of – you know, of tomorrow. And even the Joshes and the Drews, I don't know how old you guys are, but you know what? I'm doing it so you guys have an opportunity someday, you know? Um, I can't wait. I mean, it's, there's so much good on the horizon for blind hockey. It's just, it, I'm just proud to be a part of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, I could go on and on because there's so many proud moments, but uh, those are the highlights. Yeah, and you know those those are all fantastic things and it's really been a life-changing experience for i think everyone and not even just players who 
find and make it to Team USA, but people who just find blind hockey at all and like you were saying it is about the next generation you know i have a genetic eye disorder and and there's a possibility that you know my son or daughter may may have uh you know best best disease or if i I believe stargards is genetic as well or, or any of these other and you were saying glaucoma is is hereditary um you know we are we are in the USA, we are paving the way for all of us, Drew, Josh included. We are paving the way for the future of this sport. And, you know, yes, will yes. It, would it be excellent if we were on television on NBC and, you know, our names were put out there and and everything like that? Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's the fact of just Paralympics in a whole is getting is finally starting to get some more recognition you know whether it's right. hockey or deaf hockey i mean it, it's 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 incredible that in uh, this has nothing to do with like being disabled or anything but women's hockey was just nationally televised the other night and there's a professional women's league like hockey right. has never right. been at its best and my personal favorite thing about hockey and, and the, this could not be more true. Is hockey is for everyone? It is. No and true word spoken. And it, it, it's such. It's one of those things that whether you're a fan of it or you've played it, or even even in high school, you know, like I just remember like when we were to do like floor hockey. Like they're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm so excited to go to gym today. I'm like, why? What are we doing? It's like, oh, it's floor hockey day. It's just like it just—it's one of those sports that just has that impact on people, and, right? And I'm so excited to see what the future entails, as as far as you know, when the Paralympics happen. You know, whether it's in 2026 or 2030, um, it's going to be awesome, and I'm excited to see the future. And and Keith, you're a big part of the the future of this, and you know, you do a lot of work out there. Uh, you know, being on television and being in the newspaper of, of promoting this game. You know, you're not promoting yourself. You're promoting the game of blind hockey. And <laughs> so if, if anyone wants to call themselves Hollywood, it should be you for that because you're, you're promoting, you're not promoting yourself, man. Like you're promoting the game and you're promoting right. the future of this sport. And that's a beautiful quality that you have. And everyone should. Everyone should be, you know, embracing, you know, the experiences they've they've had with with blind hockey. Um, you know, not just my own, but, um, you know, just again, social media is a, a huge tool. You know, just what you guys are doing. You guys are spreading the word every week with this dented puck podcast. This is fantastic. You know, I mean, the, the the name is just out of this world. And then, <laughs> you know, the, the people that you guys have on here, um, you know, I'm I'm happy to be asked to even be on it but like you know you, you had the godfather on you know you had uh you know kevin brown who played seems like every sport under the sun you know just promoting blind you know just blindness in general but but promote this sport of blind hockey that's what we're all doing that's what you guys are doing and it's important because you know word of mouth however you want to put it, it that's how it's going to grow and and it has grown in, in four years 
I mean, we've, we've gone from five programs to, to 20 nationwide and there's right. going to be more, you know? So I think it's great. I think we should all take, you know, the, that, that, that role as far as promoting it, you know, and, and getting that next generation involved because people become blinded every day for different reasons. It could be a, uh, an accident, you know, it could be hereditary. It could be from birth, you know, um, it gives something, you know, I've, I've seen in, in the blind hockey news brief that Katie Mitchell puts on, um, this is some that of the younger kids. Thing? Like just to, just to, uh, take a second and just really say thank you for, uh, Katie Mitchell and putting that out. Like she does such an incredible job and each, each, uh, article is in there so well thought out and well written. It's truly incredible. All right, so Keith, uh, what are some of your like final thoughts uh, of being a member of, of Team USA and what this opportunity presents itself? Well, you know, being advocates of the game is what you know is is very important. You know, we talked about social media and being you know uh, not necessarily respectable, but but you know watch what you're doing you know we're, we're being watched and we're, we need to be uh, role models and examples for for the future so you know continue to spread the word of the game um continue to um you know d- do our best and our part so that you know these younger kids you know whether they're five years old today or 11 years old today you know they can look up to us and you know one day we can look back and say huh, you know, we, we help mold these guys into, into the, the, the Paralympic team that they are now, you know, so it's coming. Yeah, you couldn't have said that any better. So at the end of the the every podcast, we'd like to a- ask a question. and I'm going to let Drew ask it because he asks it the best. But uh, thank you so much for your time, Keith, and I, I really appreciate talking with you and, and, and hearing more about how your story. I didn't, I didn't know about, uh, you know, how you had gotten started. So I thought I found that to be really interesting. Awesome. Chaz, you're, you're, a, you're one of my favorite teammates on team USA. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to join into something that you're part of. So I appreciate it. So Keith, at the end of every episode, we, like Tony said, we like to ask this question. Um, obviously, the Paralympics is our goal, whether it's 2026, 2030, whatever it may be. What do we as a community, as blind hockey, what do we need to do to make sure that we continue growing the sport so that when we get to that point, we put on a good showing for our for, for everyone? Well, I think education of the game. You know, the, the, the thing, you know, with, with blind hockey is you don't have necessarily people that had have grown up playing the game all their life so it's important to educate the younger players that we have coming into it we've got people that that start you know i was complaining earlier how i was intimidated against these about these six-year-olds at the age of 10 you know well you've got people starting to, to learn how to skate at 40 years old um and may never have played hockey before in their life so you know i'm not saying those are going to be the guys that are that are uh at the Paralympics, but we have to, you know, teach the game, you know, educate people on how to play, you know, even locally with the Hartford Brailers, um, you know, we, not everyone knows about positioning and this and that and, and where to, where to, uh, where to be when, when the puck is at a certain place. So we just have to educate, 
um, moving forward, you know, on the local level, as far as the national level. Because once they get to the national level, it's high-paced hockey. It's real hockey. Blind hockey isn't, you know, it's it, it, people think like, oh, it's probably really slow. No, actually, it's really not. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's, it's the same game. You know, I mean, it might be a little slower. I mean, it is a little slower, but it's still a fast-paced game, and people need to be up on the rules and 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 how to play the game. So it's it's on the local level. You know, we got to coach the younger kids as they as they come into their their local programs and 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 you know educate them so there's success for them in the future. You know, that's what I would say. That's awesome. That was a great that that was a that was awesome. <laughs> So where where can the listeners find you? Or do you do social media, or where can they find your team or teams? We do. You you can find us. Uh, the the best place to to get a hold of us is HartfordBrailers at gmail dot com, and then you can reach us on Facebook at Hartford Brailers Blind Hockey Club, and we do have a website, but we're not all, uh, you know, tech savvy with the website, but it's HartfordBrailers so there's three opportunities, but if you're looking for information or you want to get a hold of us, email us at heartforbrailers at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook. That's that's those are our best spots to get us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and, and talk shop with us. Um, I I can't tell you how disappointed I was that in two things. One that your name wasn't something much more ridiculous uh, <laughs> that that it came from some like crazy story. Uh, I still think it's wild how you got it, but I was hoping it was like you showed up to the first development camp wearing a fur coat with blinged out glasses and a pimp fedora or something. Yeah, like like a Ric Flair and wrestling. Oh, that would be so. But like wrestler <laughs> costume underneath too. Like you have to go the full, full, full nine yards. Uh, and also to, to find out that you're a Bruins fan. Like we, we got to start, Tony, we got to start screening these guys better from now on. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, Hey, if, if you want top notch individuals on your show that, you know, make sure they're Bruins fans first and then, or that's not what you were looking for. Was it? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> It's it's funny because you know at least at least we haven't had any Detroit Red Wings fans on yet. So don't yeah. call Joel Klug. <laughs> Joel well, Klug from Michigan. He'll be your first his your first Red Wings fan. Just so you know, yuck. Ugh. Or well, you, you just got worse. him blackballed. <laughs> And and yeah, and <laughs> my bad. Not, Sorry, Captain. <laughs> it's all it's all good. And not to throw Josh under the bus, but New Jersey, uh, uh, horrible. <laughs> I agree with you there. <laughs> so thank you again, Keith. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your, uh, you know, your busy Hollywood schedule to um, join us on, on our podcast. And I think you did Absolutely. an incredible job and I'm going to be looking forward to seeing you here shortly. Absolutely. And thanks again, once for you, again, for what you guys do is, is just amazing. And we appreciate it being on the opposite, you know, 
being invited to your your podcast is you know we love it just as much so thank you absolutely man keith i appreciate you coming on man um it's always great to uh talk to somebody who's local like i said before you guys are more than welcome to come to sunday's practice or any practice and uh yeah absolutely hope if not this week at some point yeah absolutely hopefully we can get when our east coast gets some uh Interstate hockey back. We can get a development camp again and play together. So it was nice oh, talking to you. We have a rematch. We have a rematch coming. Just so you know, oh, the, the Battle know. of the well, Sound in Bridgeport is becoming going to become a yearly thing. However, COVID I, I screwed that up. I didn't. I didn't schedule this. I want you to know that I, <laughs> that I was also I was also disappointed that you weren't there either. And I guess in yeah. turn, Dirk wasn't there. Right, right. But whatever. We're 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 gonna revisit this you know you guys are the champs and we're gonna try and take the trophy back that's all all right not a problem looking forward to it challenge accepted right (laughs) and that's gonna do it for this episode of the dented puck we post new content every thursday on anchor spotify google and apple podcasts you can find us on instagram at the dented puck and on facebook at the dented puck podcast send us your questions and correspondence to the dented puck podcast at gmail.com As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you in the next one.